Let's open with a word of prayer, and then we will get started. Lord, we just thank you for this time to gather. We pray that you would um, help us to speak clearly and understand each other, that you would help us to grow together in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. In Jesus' name, amen. The format this morning is I'm going to give a brief sort of presentation, so what, of what we're doing. Give me about five or ten minutes to do that. And then we're just going to open it up to questions from you guys. We are recording this, so Greg Rolak has got a microphone. He'll run around, and you can speak into the microphone so that the answers make sense to people who are listening to it afterwards. So with that, let me, uh, let me get started. I'm going to try to answer two questions this morning. Why and how? Why have we been doing this? Then how are we proposing to do this? And here's, here's the why. Um, MCC, if you read its documents, if you read its charter, if you read its, do- its um, articles of incorporation, was founded with a very clear and robust um, sense of church membership. The requirements are clear, the expectations are clear, and so it started with a very clear um, view. It's also clear from reading that that it, the understanding, the expectation was that those who came regularly, those who were committed to the body, would be on that voting roster. However, over time and for various reasons over the last decade or more, um, what's happened is that that understanding has shifted and what's grown up is a sort of two system. There's, there's those who are coming here regularly who are part of the body, who are voting roster members, who are, who've, who've publicly and, and clearly made those relationships clear. And there's another group of people who are equally connected, equally vital, equally engaged, who are not. And what we've discovered in the last year or two is, is that on the one hand, there's a beauty to that, that we can be a body without it being formalized, that we can function as a body without, without um, everyone knowing what's up and who's who and what's left, right, up and down. There has been confusion and ignorance over the concept of membership in general, both from those on the voting roster and those not. Um, there's people I've talked to on the voting roster who've misunderstood what it means and to some people, being on the voting roster was just a sign of acceptance, and I'm loved, and these people love me. And so, you know, I, I remember talking to one person who hadn't attended here in years and was hurt. Their feelings were hurt because they weren't on the voting roster anymore. And it's like, no, brother, we're not saying we don't love you. We're not saying we don't know you. We're not saying we don't care about you. We're just saying you're not part of this body right now. You're part of another body. Praise God. And so even amongst the voting roster, there's been some confusion of what it means to be on the voting roster, and there's been just confusion in general. On top of that, we've become recently aware of the inherent weaknesses and practical difficulties, sorry, difficulties, that this sort of two-group system um, creates. We've got two segments of the church. One is clearly identified, the other is not. One group's relationships, privileges, responsibilities are clear, the other is left assumed and unclear. And functioning this way has proven to be difficult in a number of instances, where it's just practical situations that we've been dealing with as the elders, practical situations in the body, where it's just not clear. How am I to relate to you? Um, what's our relationship? And, and so for that second group, the group that's not on the voting roster, it's been sort of assumed up to this point, And assuming that relationship has not always been helpful or clear. Um, and so what we are seeking is a better means to identify the entirety of the body, who, who we are, so that we all, 
can know who we are and to whom we have entrusted ourselves and who has entrusted themselves to us. That's our goal. Our goal is some way to be able to figure out who are we? Who is Martinsdale Community Church? Who, who is us? Who am I to, to, who must I do these things to? As a leader, who will I give an account for? Um, those are the types of questions we're trying to resolve. How are we going to do this? Well, as I said, there's already one group, those in the voting roster, who've already made those relationships clear. And from them, um, we're not looking for anything further. But for the, what we're trying to do is we're asking those who are functionally and relationally a part of the body, and we recognize there are plenty of people who are not on the voting roster, who are very real, very critical members of this body. They're, they're, they're functioning that way. They are serving and being served. They are vital members. What we're trying to do is create a way to help recognize and identify those relationships and those people so we can care for them more fully and so they can, they, those relationships can become evident. Um, we are asking that those who are functionally and relationally part of the body to identify themselves, and they can do this by adding their names or letting us know, there's a number of ways to do it, to a list we're going to try to make of those who are part of the body, people who've made those commitments, who have those relationships. They may not be voting roster members, but they truly are committed parts of this body so that we can properly care for them and so that those relationships can become evident. Um, we're also asking those believers who have not committed themselves to, the, to a local church to consider doing so here. We know there might be others, people who just attend on Sundays. You're not functionally, vitally connected to the body. You come and you leave, and we're asking if that's you, to consider actually being part of a family, actually becoming part of a body. And you can let us know your intent to do that by talking to us, or we're going to have a list down, a sign-up sheet, really, um, that you can let us know, hey, I want to do that. I haven't been part of a family before. I haven't been part of a body before. I've been, I've been tender. I've been sitting on the sidelines. But now I want to I want to be part of a family. I want to have those relationships. This will ultimately combine, result in a combined list resulting of both those in the voting roster and those who are added to our newly created membership list. And that will be our best attempt to put our hands around who is the church. And we'll know then, or hopefully know, and try to be as accurate as we can, this is Martinsdale Community Church. We see this new list ultimately, though, as a temporary solution. We'd like to, over time, move back to the original starting point of this church, which is those who have those relationships would all be on the voting roster. You know, that's impractical for now, so this list is being created as a, as a sort of temporary measure until, over time, we can try to move back in that direction. Now, all this begs a question, then. What specifically does it mean to be a member of a local church, specifically the member of Martinsdale Community Church? And we tried to boil down our criteria here to six points, all of which are commitments. What I'm about to list, all of these are commitments that people who are on the voting roster have already made. And again, part of the reason we're teaching through this is we've been trying to make this clear in recent years, but I'm not sure. Um, people have been people have been members now for some for decades. So this is a reminder. Now, every point here, there's going to be six of them, is clearly laid out in the, um, the documents, the, the bylaws of our church, of what it means to be a member. And we'd say anybody to whom these six points is, is true is a member of this church, whether on the voting roster or not. So let me go through them quickly, and then we'll open up to questions. Point number one, what does it mean to be a member of MCC? It means that I've put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. First and foremost, the church is for Christians. Um, and if you haven't put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you haven't turned from your sin to him, we'd invite you to do that, but you're not part of the church unless you're part of the church. <laughs> you can't be part of the local church if you're not part of the universal church. 
And so that would be the first requirement, would be a person be a believer, that I be a believer. Um, secondly, um, that I've been baptized after coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, just as the Holy Spirit's baptism, according to Ephesians, brings us into the universal body of Christ. Um, the pattern we see in the New Testament is they are baptized and added to their number. The baptism is the most initiatory, most fundamental step of Christian discipleship and obedience. And so um, we might recognize some fringe cases, some exceptions, but in general, that's what we're looking for for someone who's part of a local body is that they've been obedient in baptism. Point three, what does it mean to be a part of the body at MCC? It means I have read and substantively agree with and will not oppose the MCC Articles of Faith. Articles of Faith are an attempt for us to gather together some of the most significant truth that we believe. And the unity, if you remember from my message earlier this morning, is a unity of faith. It's a unity around truth. It's not a unity around shared um, of fans of music or shared... Oh, it disappeared. There it is. Thank you, Dave. It's, it's a unity around a body of truth. And so we don't expect or demand that everybody believe every single point. There might be things, if you've read through our statement of faith, I don't know what I think, or I'm not even sure if I agree about this point on angels. But we'd expect substantive agreement, that we'd be in large agreement, and that we understand that, that we're not going to oppose this. We're not going to start up a Bible study you know, countering you know, something in our statement of faith. Um, certainly we welcome discussion, questions, but that's at that point. Next. Point four, it's a commitment that I will use my gifts to serve and edify the body. Right? And that, that, again, ties back to this morning's message. What's it mean to be part of a body? It means to recognize that I'm gifted, and I have ministry, and I have work to do, and the growth of this body is my business. It's your business. Fifth, I will participate in the biblical process of lovingly dealing with sin in the body of MCC. It means I'm going to love my brother and my sister enough that if the Lord reveals some place where they're, they're not walking rightly, I'm going to lovingly come alongside and try to correct them. It means that if someone tries to come and talk to me, I'm not going to stiff arm them and tell them to get out of my face, but I'm going to realize this is what families do. And this is what families do. And I'm willing, I recognize that's biblical, and I'm willing to participate in that. And, and finally, six, it means I'm willing to follow the shepherding, the leadership at MCC. It's recognizing that, that vertical relationship that, okay, you guys are my leaders and we are going to give an account for you and that relationship is made clear. So as we've tried to work through this, um, this is the, the sort of the, the circle that we'd say, if this is true of a person, then they're a member here. Um, and for those that this is true of, we're asking them and we'll give you guys opportunity in the coming weeks to, to identify yourself, say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's true of me, and I am. I view myself as a member here, and then this is a matter of making a list so that everyone can know that, so that those who have a responsibility for you and can pray for you and can encourage you can know that, and those relationships cannot be, no longer be assumed, but made manifest and clear. Anyway, I'm sure you guys have a number of questions. At this point in time, Greg Rolak has a mic, and we'll just open it up to general questions. You're going to laugh, though. What does the CF stand for in front of the scripture references? <laughs> CF is an abbreviation for a Latin word that means compare. <laughs> 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 
different than EG, which means for example. Um, I was wondering, is there like a certain amount of time, like say that someone's been going to, someone starts coming to church, and then after a certain amount of time, is it kind of like, if you've been going here this long, we might ask you, hey, would you like to officially commit to being a part of the body since you've been going here for a certain amount of time, and it seems like you're getting plugged in? Thanks, Zach. Um, <laughs> what, what was interesting here, it, it, when we went through and made these points up here, sometimes it's harder to say less than it is more. I mean, essentially, we have our statement of faith and our constitution, and, and we were kind of thinking when we do the, even when people come into membership, we say, here, read this, have any questions? And it's like, okay, you look through it, and, and sometimes it'd be clear if you can kind of boil it down, if you say less, it's harder to do that, because you have to kind of get the real essentials, and, and you don't see anything up there about time. And so, no, there isn't a specific time, because once you start making, okay, you know, it's two weeks, well, there's a snowstorm, or it's four weeks, you know, there's all these things that come up. The point would be, yes, there is some time, but it's probably different for each person. You know, are you coming in, you had to move, and your family's not here, there's all sorts of things. The idea is, are you moving towards that? Or are you not? So I don't think we would put time on it, but obviously, you know, 30 or 40 years might be a little too long. <laughs> Lee? So this is essentially you are like you're on the voting roster, but you don't have to go to business meetings and vote. <laughs> Yes. Okay. That's what it sounded like. Well, the, the issue is the voting, the voting roster, I think, over time became viewed almost solely as the voting aspect. And so there's plenty of people who have those relationships who, for whatever reason, whether it's they trust the elders or whatever, they, that's not something I'm interested in doing. And, but there's a vital piece there as well, especially as we read and reread the documents about the commitment. And so what we're saying is, look, if you don't, if you're not interested right now in in governing the church and and voting, but we'd invite everyone who wants to join the voting roster to do that. What we do want to not let lose is the notion of this these relationships and these commitments and and the self awareness of that. So like yeah, if basically it's the voting roster commitment minus the voting roster. Sure. You're being nebulous about the time aspect, and I I, I get that, but but I. Unless I'm remembering incorrectly, uh, you, there is at least one place where a, t where a time frame is written down, isn't it? Doesn't it require six months to be on the voting roster? It, it's, we all were surprised. I thought it was. It's not. That's been a, an informal guideline oh, okay. that we've operated on. I didn't realize on. that wasn't written down. I've, I've, I've no. heard it so many times. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we were surprised when we checked into that as well. There is nothing in our in our bylaws that states how long a person has to come before they can become but, a... But Alan, really, Zach's question was like, well, you know, how quickly do you need to come here? That's kind of on the other side. There's times when, you know, we really want people to be thoughtful. I mean, if you came here the first day and you're like, yeah, hey, I, this is great. This is where I want to be. You know, we would all say, hallelujah, we want to do that. But sometimes as, as we bring people on to the, 
voting roster, there's a process that we do. That's one of the reasons we have this interim list because we're not, at, we're not changing anything of the current constitution and, and it requires you know, bringing the names back to a, uh, one of our regular meetings, which are typically every quarter. And so that just takes some time and process. And we, the six months is we kind of, it's kind of an kind of a thing, you know, it's, like, it's good to, to maybe think about it and be thoughtful about it and say, you know, if you want to come on the membership, you know, the first day, well, it's great. We want you to do that. That's really fast, but we also want you to be thoughtful about it. And, and sometimes that six months is an opportunity for you to, 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 to spend some time with Martinsdale and the people here and really where God is leading to you because we want you to serve. We want you to be a part of this. It's a, it's, it's not really a flippant thing, you know, when you pick a church. And, you know, some of us may haven't moved, haven't moved around. Uh, we've had opportunity when we were younger to, to move to different places. And that was one of the, you know, you got to get an apartment. You know, you, you got to figure out where your kids may go to school, where you're going to grocery shopping, but where you go to church, you know. And I know when our, my kids go to different places, you know, we're, we're sitting there trying to get on the Internet and find, you know, this looks like a good one. Why don't you go here? It's, it's a big deal. And it should be a big deal. So, you know, we want to do everything like that very thoughtful, circumspectly. Natalie. Conradi. So the second point says I've been baptized after coming mm -hmm. to faith. Mm -hmm. And I was baptized as a teenager, but I realize now that it's only been within these last couple of years that I've truly been called to faith. So is there ever a need for rebaptism? You should probably talk to Meryl Tuttle. <laughs> we, I, I mentioned that because Meryl Tuttle um, got rebaptized, what, Meryl, four or five years ago? Was that? Yeah. Um, Meryl, Meryl's been a faithful, you, you've been an elder in the past, right, Meryl? Yeah. And he's pastor of other churches, and he became more and more convinced, I'm telling his story for him, that he, he doesn't believe he was a, a sincere Christian when he was first baptized. And he got baptized here about four years ago. That, that's an issue of your own conscience. We see Paul rebaptizing people in Acts 19, um, people who'd received John the Baptist's baptism because they had not at the time believed in Jesus and they had not received the Holy Spirit. So there is a biblical precedent for rebaptizing. Um, if you don't believe that you were a Christian when you were baptized, then yes, I would encourage you to seek rebaptism. That the issue of whether you were or not is between you and the Lord. I do think the Bible would put forward um, that if you were not a Christian at the time of your baptism, be baptized. Um, Carol Hardy. My, my wife even says this was new information for her, but um, I was baptized when I was 12 because I was in a denomination that I won't mention the name of. It's, it's, it's actually quite conservative, but it's kind of a dunk them and save them type deal. Mm. And when you're 12 years old, you go down for it and you're baptized. And so if I was a believer, then I, I later on began to really doubt that I ever had any assurance. So I was rebaptized when I was um, mm. in my 20s sometime at a Baptist church. And um, so, because I was uncertain that I was a believer when I was baptized the first time. Well, if you think about what baptism is, it's aligning yourself with Jesus Christ. If you're baptized, I was baptized as a infant or at least a small, a young man, young boy. Well, I didn't know anything, you know, so I certainly wasn't baptizing 
myself into the, I wasn't aligning myself with Jesus Christ. So what was that worth? Well, in my mind, it was worth nothing. Absolutely nothing. So uh, to be obedient to the scripture, uh, you, you become baptized after you come to faith. Uh, I, to do it before seems like a pointless and useless uh, exercise, notwithstanding that a lot of us did that, because that's what many churches have done, infant or otherwise. I already have the mic. Um, oh, you know who I am. Um, and obviously, I've already had discussions with one of the elders. <laughs> but somebody else might have these same questions. Okay. Um, so I have two. I guess one we didn't discuss. Um, the first one is, what about those that still consider themselves members and part of our body, but due to um, uh, just maybe they're older and in a care facility or something like that, I'm assuming that we are still going to consider them part of Martinsdale Community Church. Um, and then my second question is, will this change at all on how people are serving within our church? Like um, teaching Sunday school or whatever, is that going to be like you have to be a member to sing? You have to be a member to teach Sunday school or to, um, I know Awana's a little bit different because we have a uh, church that dropped their Awana program and some of those people came to help with us. But So that's my second question. I think in regard to caring for those who aren't able to come on Sunday mornings, our desire would be that we, we would care for them. And if th that's true of them, if they want to be part of this body, but they're limited in their mobility and they want to give of the gifts they have to the church, then they're, they can't do that Sunday by Sunday, but they can do that. Um, and we would want to treat them every bit as much a part of the body uh, as those who are able to come. And uh, if we don't know that about them, how could we how could we possibly minister to them if they're in a hospital somewhere or in a care facility and we don't even know that that they're viewing our church as their church? We could never minister to them. And that's part of the reason for wanting this is to know who, who should we be ministering to? Who's looking to us for that shepherding? that people don't fall through the cracks. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, we do now have inactive members uh, on the, on the, in, in our membership roster, and, and we would continue to do that. Uh, they, they wouldn't, you wouldn't see them here Sunday by Sunday, but they're still, they still would be members. We haven't really taken the next step of asking, okay, what happens? We're, in answer to your question of how is this going to affect ministry in the body, um, we recognize that right now we're in a weird position. We've got many people who are members. One of the things I've said is getting your name on a list doesn't make you a member. The existence of these relationships does. So in many cases, we're recognizing membership. But this is sort of a one-time only deal where we are transitioning from the system. Moving forward, as new people come, we won't have a sign-up sheet. It'll be our normal policy of meeting with an elder, having an interview, talking, hey, where are you from? What's your story? And then that's how people will be brought in. So right now, we're just primarily looking at how to, as easily as possible, with as little offense and difficulty as possible, recognize those, recognize the commitments and relationships that exist. We really haven't thought, okay, once we're done with that, then how's that going to affect ministry? We really haven't had those discussions. 
Um, so I, I don't think we could, anyone want to say anything to that? Because it might, I don't know. We haven't, we haven't gone there. It's fair to say that, right, our, our goal would be that we would, that everybody here would be either members or visitors. Uh, that, that's a lofty goal. We may not reach that, but if, since that's our goal, I could certainly see the point where we're not asking visitors to lead the body. Right. Uh, so, so it, it might be some form of, of that requirement uh, just, just because of, of the natural progression of what we're hoping to, to be. Alyssa and Donna. You're getting some exercise this morning, Greg. Um, I know like on the voting roster you have to be a certain age yeah. is that the same with the member list um no 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 there's no age requirement that's another reason this membership is necessary is we recognize there are people who aren't 18 who are legitimately part of the body and we don't want to treat them as second-class citizens um, and and exclude them because of their age donna I love this church, but I'm just wandering right now. I would love to join, but I'm here and there and everywhere right now. So I'm sitting here feeling like, you know, I would be willing to help in any way I can, but I'm just kind of up here for the membership thing. So I'm sitting here feeling kind of funny because I'm coming and I'm not joining. And I don't know what to do. My heart's here. My heart's at MCC. But, um, there's just so many times I can't come and stuff. But, so. it, would, it would seem to me that if you can't come every Sunday, there's no way you can be a member here. <laughs> <laughs> We're just not going to allow that to happen. Anyway, I, someday I hope that I would, uh, things I, will settle down. The, um, you, you come when you can. Right, right. Um, your heart's here. My heart's here, yes. Um, do you satisfy number one? Up there? Oh, yes. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> well. Number two. <laughs> Probably all of them. I, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I, yeah. I just, uh, you know. Well, because your, your situation might be just a little bit different, it wouldn't hurt to just have a little conversation. But um, I, I don't see anything about your situation that would preclude you from being a member. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, you guys pray about it, okay? <laughs> Indeed. Um, I'm glad Donna brought that up because I think, you know, if you consider a church your home, it is your home. And uh, we know about that firsthand because our daughter's in that situation. You know, she's in Boston, but she travels a lot. And it's a very lonely situation even within a church. And I'm sure you feel this too when you're not here with the body and you're gone and you have to do other things. And we all are guilty of this. We sort of forget about you. I mean, not you, but just the people that we don't see all the time. Oh. And uh, I know she also talks about that, that she feels lonely. And, and um, so it's really, I think, even a more 
uh, important reason to know who these people are yeah. because we need to be there to support them when they have to be gone. Thank you. I just continually think about the church family um, kind of as an extension of my own personal family, um, which I think is biblical. And uh, so I may not, I've got a brother who lives in Cincinnati. I've got a sister that lives near Cleveland. Um, but just because I don't see them more than a couple, three times a year or don't talk to them very often doesn't mean they're any less a family member of mine. Um, but I know that they are a family member of mine. Okay, so when they are in need, then I jump in my car and I go and I go help them because they're my family. Um, and so as I think through the, 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 the fancy word is membership, but as I think through that relational scenario at MCC, if, if you're a member here, then I have a specific responsibility to you, biblically. And if you aren't a member here, then the, re the responsibility I have to you is not the same. Yeah. Um, it's, it can maybe be uh, identified as similar, similar to like what, my, what is my responsibility to my next door neighbor? When he's in need, do I just ignore him because he's not my, he's not my brother? Right. No, I go and help him. But if I, if I can, you know, if, if I'm traveling, if I'm working, and my brother needs help, I come home to help him. My neighbor needs help. I just say, sorry, I can't be there right now. You see? I mean, there's just a, a different kind of thing. And I, I think um, of my own personal way early in, in, in my fatherhood, marriage, I was, we started coming here and I took over the junior high. Um, and I started taking, taking that very seriously, which is good. But probably too seriously because then I started to abandon my own family. God showed me that my primary responsibility, my mission field, was in my living room, not down the hall here at the church. And so my primary focus had to be my family. And I know who they are. Okay, um, And so when we're talking about church membership, we're talking about who are those primary people that I'm required biblically to tend to, to love, to pursue, um, and, who, and, and who aren't they? Yeah, if, if, I, I know somebody, I've talked to somebody at least, who is concerned that this is about exclusion. This isn't about exclusion, it's, it's the exact opposite. Um, it's, it's raising the bar for the, what we've been trying to do in this series is raise the bar and biblically reveal and study Wow, I'm hoping, at least we're seeing, I know in my study I was seeing, our responsibility for each other is far greater, far more specific, far more absolute than I realized before. I think the distinction, I'd say, with what Jeff was saying is specific responsibility and general responsibility. So if there's a Christian in Indianola whose house burns down, who has need, if I find out about it, if I'm able, um, I, I may well help them. That'd be a good thing to do. If one of us and our family is in need, we must take care of them. That, that's the distinction. Um, so it's not saying, we're not trying to figure out who we are so everyone else can just get lost. Rather, 
man, there are these really significant and important commitments and responsibilities we have, and we need to know who we have them for so that we know that whether Dawn is able to be here or not, we must be praying for her. And it, it's, it's a safeguard in that sense. It's establishing relationships. It's not ex- but excluding, but creating and, and recognizing um, significant relationships. Kevin. Uh, one of the biggest benefits I see to doing this is a joint understanding of what you're doing. And I, I know you guys mentioned this from the pulpit. It, it's not only uh, us agreeing to be a part of this church. It's, it's your understanding that we are a part of this church. So it always hurts when people just think they can just leave and, and leave us behind and family member would leave it would affect you hugely yeah so i can see that that's why this is very beneficial for both sides to have that agreement amen any questions about any of the points on the list why they're there or anything just trying to stir the pot get things going okay we're good My question is regarding number four. Yes, sir. How do you, I, I don't know whether anybody else is in this category or not, but I am not really certain of what my gifts are. And how can I? <laughs> <laughs> Dave Lample knows. Are you kidding? <laughs> I, I, to myself, I don't know specifically what they are as a part of this church membership. Well, let me give you the short answer, and then Dave Lamp will give you the long one. Well, that's my... The short answer is that's precisely one of the major responses. That's my only comment. It's just that I would like to be certain myself of what they are and how I could contribute, if there are any. And that's from this morning's message. That is one of our primary responsibilities, is helping the individual members function like, okay, what are you gifted at? What are you good at? Now, Dave Lample is the teacher of your ABF class that you go to, is one of your leaders. He seems to have a much more hands-on specific idea. So already you've got, you've got leaders and people who are, who are discipling and, and instructing you who, who seem to know very well, and you could talk to Dave Lample. Wait, wait before, before that happens, um, Rich, uh, I can name off the top at least two or three of your gifts that I have seen used over the years all the time. And great gifts. One is you guys always, if there's somebody in need, um, whether in the hospital or just physically needing something, you guys are there. You always have been. Now, to me, that's huge. Um, So I can see that immediately. Uh, The encouragement, uh, coming alongside people and just helping them, encourage them in different situations. So, you know, you may not be as self-aware of some of your gifts, but trust me, I, I, I would guess anybody that's been around this body very long sees it very clearly. I think we too often think of gifts as being up there or teaching or leading. But I can... Th- <clears throat> there's, there's a couple of old guys I call my two favorite old men in this church. I won't name their names. But Rich is one of them. (laughs) 
I don't think he would have to even do anything in the church to be using his gifts. He's my spiritual father. That's a gift. While I have this mic, I'd like to emphasize something that Jeff kind of mentioned, and that is, I think we spent a lot of time talking about you need to know who's out there so that you can minister to them, so that the leaders can minister to them. I think we've not emphasized quite enough the fact that being a member of a church places a responsibility on each member. And happily, you've not used the word attendance, wisely so. Uh, but I think that's part of it. If you're a member, you want to attend. This is your home. This is your spiritual home. And if you don't attend when you can, say, well, my buddy wants to play golf. So I think I'll minister to him. Well, no, you're going to play golf. And you being a member of a body means you want to be there. You want to worship with your brethren. You want to learn from God's word. Uh, you want to participate as much as you humanly can. Maybe a, um, uh, with Rich's question, <clears throat> there may be all kinds of people wondering, well, I'm not certain what my gifts are, or I'm not sure where I'm gifted in the body. Um, as uh, the commander at Awana, I get that question a lot, or I'll ask somebody if they'll help. Well, I don't know if I'm gifted there. I love that response because they say, well, come give it a try. We'll find out, right? Um, sometimes when you're trying to make a decision and you don't know what is, it's nice to eliminate a whole lot of other choices to narrow it down to make it easier. So just um, jump in someplace or talk to somebody and say, well, I don't know if I'm any good with kids. Well, come and give it a try. You know, if you're not good with babies, we'll try... Toddlers, if you're not good with toddlers, we'll try primary school. If you're not good with there, maybe high school. If you're not good there, then no, you don't have to give for kids, okay? <laughs> <clears throat> but you didn't know that until we went through that. You know, we don't know if you're any good with building things until you give it a try. We don't know what if you're good with hospitality or cooking or leading or teaching. Give it a try, you know, um, but otherwise... In Rich's, Rich's case, most likely, uh, he could find out where he has been a blessing and then mm. focus on that just by asking a few people that would be glad to talk to him about it. And that would go the same with everybody that's here. An another uh, important point to remember on those gifts is you're, you're, you don't limit your ministry because you don't think you have a gift. When the body has a need, as you read through that passage, what God makes clear is that he will provide what's needed to meet that need. And so if we all looked around and said, oh yeah, so-and-so uh, is having a real rough time, they really need some encouragement, and all said, oh, do you have the gift of encouragement? Do you have the gift of, I don't have, I, I don't, I, no, just go and encourage the person. And guess what? God will provide what you need to do that. And so we don't want to use our gifting as an excuse not to, to help those that are in need. Rather, we trusting that God's going to provide what we need when we go to do the ministry, the work of the ministry to one another.
Yeah, Paul tells Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. He doesn't call him an evangelist. I don't know if you kind of said what I was going to say, but um, I, I guess I'm sitting here thinking, you're, are you emphasizing that you have to be a member to help each other? I, I don't no. understand. I guess I'm thinking, I'm looking around here. I don't know who's members or not, but whoever they are, I know they love Jesus, and I would be there for them. So I, don't, I guess I don't understand what you're saying for sure. I'm sorry. What, um, we're, what we're saying is, is um, well, how can you know everyone here loves Jesus? Do you know everyone here? I mean, I don't, I don't, mean, I don't mean to push back. I guess I am oh, pushing back. But okay. do you know everybody in this room? No, but it doesn't matter. If I knew somebody's but how can you know, then how can you know? No, no, fair enough. But then okay. how do you know that everyone in this room loves Jesus? Did I say that? You did. <laughs> um, I don't. <laughs> no, 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 that's exactly. And we can assume relationships, and very frequently that'll work just fine. I'd say mm-hmm. the majority of the time that works just fine. There's been at least enough sp- specific instances where that has not worked fine, where you interact with somebody and you interact with them as though they were a family member, and they basically say in response, who are you to me? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why you want clarification. Yes, absolutely, we have been doing those things without knowing who's who. And you can get a lot of ministry done that way. We think we can get better ministry done this way. We think this would be more effective, more helpful. So it's not saying you can't do that. We've been functioning that way for decades. Um, you're right. And we just think we can function better with self-awareness, with more self-awareness. So it's not saying, no, you can't do that. I think we can do it better knowing. See, if, 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 the, we, if we had this sort of self-awareness, you could say, no, I know at least the people... Even the people I don't know face-to-face, the people who are on this list have met with the elders, they've professed Christ. So yeah, I can assume a lot more about them. Yes, these are the people who I'm going to believe know the Lord. Absolutely. So that'd be helpful, I think, even for somebody you don't know, to know this is somebody who's committed themselves to this church. This is somebody who I'm to watch out for and pray for. This is somebody who's committed to pray for and watch out for me. This is somebody who, if, if I see them straying, I, need, I, need, I have an obligation to come and help correct them. This is somebody who, if they're in need, I must... It, it's, it's not about excluding. Again, it's about establishing necessity to some of these things. Um, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm sitting here thinking that because I'm not a member, I'm not going to, people aren't going to want to come to my aid or whatever because I'm no, not a member. We want to answer that question as loudly as we can, uh, Donna. We're not intending to say to anybody hey, there are members, let's take care of the members, and the other people are on their own. We're not saying that. We don't want, we're, not, we're not wanting to imply that at all. But we have certain not greater obligations to members than we do to, say, a visitor, even a believing a visitor that just is visiting with us for a short period of time. Uh, as Jeremy pointed out earlier, uh, it doesn't mean we're, we don't minister to them uh, but if it's a member, we have to minister to them. We have an obligation to the family that's greater than our obligation to non-family. That's what we're, that, I mean, that's the, you know, maybe that still doesn't define it well enough, but that's our goal. And, and Donna, I'm saying you may very well be a member here. Because, again, getting on a list doesn't make you a member. Relationships and these things being true of you do. And so we're not saying you guys aren't members become members. What we're saying in many cases is we believe a lot of you are members. Can we just confirm, just, just make sure we're all on the same page? And then, hey, do you mind if we let everyone else know that too? 
So this list that we're making isn't about getting people to be members, although there might be some people sitting on the sidelines who decide, you know, now's the time I do want to commit, now's the time I do want to be part of a family. But in most cases, we fully expect, at least in this transition period, it's, yeah, I've been a member all along. Hey, we thought so. Cool. You know, and now, so you may well be a member. Um, it's not that you're not to get on the list. It's, we'll get together, I'll get together this week, we can chat, and yeah, I, I think you probably are. And then it's just confirming that. So it's no one's saying you're not a member. We're not saying people who aren't on a list aren't members. What we're saying is we've got a bunch of members that we're not sure who they are. Hey, can we identify them? That might be helpful. That's what we're saying. Does that make more sense? Okay. The only other thing that I would add <clears throat> is uh, just going back to like uh, a family example. Um, I had three kids. Every one of them had friends. We had all kinds of kids running around my house, right? And when they were around my house, you know, we treated them like our kids. But I had a primary responsibility to my three, okay? And a secondary responsibility to all of the others. All the others, right? Um, there's a lot of them oftentimes. But my primary responsibility was to my three. And and it doesn't mean that I didn't love the others. It didn't mean that I shirked my responsibility to the others while they were around. But I took care of mine. Because that's what I'm called to do as a father, right? And so that's what we're dealing with here is we're trying to figure out who's part of my family. Because that's my primary responsibility. Oh. That's my first responsibility. After That doesn't mean that somebody else who's not a member, I shirk that responsibility, or I say, oh, whew, I don't have to worry about that person, go away. That's the furthest thing from the truth. But my first, and like, we always have to prioritize things in our lives, right? There's the A priorities and the Bs and the Cs. And my kids were the As. Everybody else's kids were Bs. <clears throat> Some didn't even make the list, right? But <laughs> my kids were always As. As elders and leaders of this church, we just want to know who are the A's here. Doesn't mean that we don't deal with B's and C's. It means we got to deal primarily, focus primarily on, on you people. Because that's what we're called to do. Does that help at all? Yeah, sort of. Sort of does. <laughs> Other questions? Oh. We got Linda Archer in the back. Oh, we got Candy, Candy Jackson first. first. Sorry, Candy's Linda. closer, so that's Candy beat you to the punch. Hold on. Okay. Just a quick question. So, if yeah. you get on the membership roster, then do you also have to ask to be on the voting roster? Yeah, nothing changes. Our our bylaws are clear of what the process for becoming a voting roster member is. So, nothing about getting on this list would replace that process. That process is clearly laid out, involves an interview with one of the elders. In some senses, it might be quicker because we know the answers to some of the questions we're to ask. We'd still have to ask them anyway, just because it's spelled out. So this is not in any way tinkering with or giving someone a shortcut to the membership roster, the voting roster, I mean, because that's all spelled out clearly in our, in our bylaws and constitution. And so nothing we're adding here would change that. Um, if you're on the voting roster, you've already made these commitments. Um, every single one of these commitments is, is listed out in our um, Constitution. Exactly. Okay. 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 Okay
Well, that was one of my questions, so you just answered that. And then the other one is um, when somebody is a member of the body and then um, they maybe, you know, start not coming or, you know, how, how do you approach that then? The question, it's just to be clear, if somebody's identified as a member of this body, whether they're voting roster or non-voting roster, and then they stop attending, how is that dealt with? Um, first, you'd want to find out why. Are they not attending because they're in the hospital? That's one thing. Are they not attending because they're having physical difficulties? But, but I'm assuming you're asking, they stop attending for no particularly good reason. Is that your question? Is that what you're getting at? Linda, or? For not a good reason. For no particularly good reason. I mean, they're. Or not a good reason. Or not a good reason. Sure. Well, if they're not, if they start going to another church, um, then I'd want to talk to them to make it clear, hey, we, just a couple things. A, why, why didn't you talk to us before you left? Um, that's, you know, did we offend you? Are you upset? Um, all things being equal, that seems kind of rude, but okay, <laughs> you know. No, if, if one of my kids just left, right? Um, we didn't get in a fight or anything, they just left. That'd be, okay. Um, and then second, I'd want to make sure they were under other care. So just to be clear, you're under this church's care, we're not going to give an account for you any longer? Okay. I'd want to clarify that as well. Um, and assuming they left because they were offended, the Bible, Jesus says, look, if your brother is offended by you, drop what you're doing, go be reconciled with your brother. So sometimes people leave rather than obeying that. And I'd say, look, whether you stay or go, I think you need to sit down and talk to the guy who offended you or vice versa because our Lord puts such a priority on that. So there, you'd want to deal with the loose ends, but you'd want to clarify it rather than just sort of after three months figure, oh, I guess they're gone which is frequently what happens because you don't have that clarity of understanding. And so are they just drifting? Are they taking a vacation or are they in a new church? You know, and, and you, know, you sort of wait and wait and wait and it's just awkward. Our constitution and, and or bylaws, I can't remember where now, uh, does have specific language regarding reasons why we can remove someone from the voting roster uh, through... I think absence for a year, uh, a clear intention of being gone. Uh, so, you know, you come to us and say, uh, we're moving to California. Uh, we've enjoyed it here, but we won't be able to attend anymore. Uh, that would be a reason. Um, sin. Sin, they won't repent. Unrepentant of. sin yeah. that's dealt with in the process. Um, uh, there may be one or two others, but... But th those are already there, uh, so there'd be all of those. So does that also address uh, church hopping? You know, uh, say they attend 50% of the time, but 50% they're going to a church in Indianola. Well, church hopping. There's a principle of reciprocity, Galatians 6, 6 lays out, that the the one who is taught the word should share all good things with the one who teaches. And so basically, if, if this is your body, and this is the conversation I'd have with somebody, and I've, I've had conversations like these, and they're not, not confrontive, but just like, look, where are you being fed? Who are your leaders? Um, who is your church family? You can, don't, usually the leader's question will get them, because 
we might recognize, well, I have this family and that family. Okay, who, who's going to give an account for your soul and who are your leaders? Usually people won't identify multiple sets of those. Okay, whoever that is, they, it's right and it's good that the one who's teaching and feeding and shepherding and caring for you receives the benefit of your gifts and your talents and your time and your abilities. And Galatians 6, 6 lays out that sort of two-way street where they have the right and the claim as it were, to your ministry and your labor. And so um, I think it's great if you want to attend another Bible study or something over here, but like, I'd want to make sure that the, the body that's going to give an account for you, the leaders who are watching over your soul, the people who are feeding you are receiving a lion's share of your abilities, gifts, talents, and time. Um, and I think that's biblical. So I would add, I, I guess, one thing to Linda's question. Uh, if, if somebody was leaving... You know, as, as leaders, <clears throat> we, we try and get it right all the time, but we don't. Um, if we've messed something up and somebody is leaving, we'd like to know what that is yeah. so we can fix it. Um, it may, we may have offended somebody too much by the time they've decided to leave to fix it, but we wouldn't want to repeat it for somebody else. Right. Um, so you've got those kind of things. There Also, you have a situation where if the person leaving really truly is pursuing Christ with all of their heart, but maybe they missed something or they're not or they're blind to something. I, one of my phrases is everybody's got their blind spots. Doesn't matter, you know. You may be really good here, but you haven't thought about that one over there. Whatever, give us a chance to walk through what the offense was or what the issue is, and see if you truly pursuing Christ missed something. And we would love to retain you as a member of the body. Um, if it's too late for that, fine. We're glad to give you our blessing and let you move on someplace else. Um, but let's at least have a conversation about that mm. as opposed to, you know, it's always in my head, it's like, you know, when, when Josh was three, he just stomped his feet, screamed, and ran out of the room, right? And I'm thinking, has anybody that has left the church, have they grown past that yet? Can we just have a conversation and we'll say thank you, bye, or let's walk, let's grow through it, you know, whatever. So if somebody's going to leave, we, I think we should at least have a conversation, so one of us can grow in the end. We would certainly be of the opinion that the body that we see identified in Scripture uh, is such that one a person can't belong to more than one, uh, at, the, at least at the same time. Uh, doesn't mean that through your lifetime you might belong to more than one body, certainly. But at the same time, I don't see how you could be fully invested in this body and another one and perhaps a third one. Uh, so I would say that our feeling of church hopping is that it's we certainly do not see any scriptural evidence that that would be a good thing to do. Uh I'm sorry, did I? Was there, oh, was there more up there? Oh. Okay. I was just reading. First John 3, 4 says, we know we have passed out of death to life because we love the brothers. Rephrase that is, we know we have been saved by God's grace because we love the brothers. Part of the supernatural part of salvation is that God puts a love in our hearts for other believers. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a natural progression to me that 
we would, uh, I anyway as a believer, would become committed and engaged in a local body. And I see from your side that you are to be held to account for the people in the body. So um, I, I see what you're trying to do is just quite frankly biblical. It's very different from what the world, what our country is telling us. But I think if we genuinely seek what God's plan is for the local body, I see what you're doing. And um, that's just my only comment. Thank you. I, since I'm the old guy, I get to talk a little bit. They told me I get to talk is at 12 o'clock. Is he the other one, Dave? <laughs> uh, one of this what we're trying to do is really I guess maybe not a good word to use but make our job easier and uh, there's a lot of times we've been meeting every week on Tuesday night usually from 7 to 9, 9.30 kind of we wear Jeb out then it's time to go home uh, the other night I don't know if you guys realize this we go through basically we agree meet at our minutes at the last meeting we talk about money on hand, the finances, then we go to people and prayer requests. A couple weeks ago, that took an hour. So we love each one of you out there, and we care very much for you. And we, we spent an hour praying for different situations for physical and that in the church. So, uh, But part of this is so we can kind of get that together. And then we had a list about that long we didn't get over, but uh, we worked that out. And... Uh, these are a good group of guys. I've been on the board a long time and with a lot of different guys. And these are a good group of guys, except Jason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they give me the responsibility of watching over him, and you see he's not here. So, <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> we we enjoy being together, and a lot of times on boards that doesn't that doesn't happen. But we, you know, we have our moments, but we we have a you know good time, and but we are very concerned about the church and. You know, like they've been talking about our responsibility when we have to stand for God and give an account for each one of you out there. That's very humbling. My time's up. I think we have one more. I'm gonna. This will be the last question, uh, just because we're at time. Um, before you ask your question, if you have further questions, talk to us. Send us an email. Let us know. Um, our goal with this is to get everyone on the same page, rather than force it on people. Hey, here's why we're doing this. Here's why we think it's important. And so, please keep chatting. Alan Braun, your question. Is that on? Okay. Is it on now? Yep. All right. Well, Penny and I were both wondering about this. This is a, 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 another common what if. There's one instance of it in our family right now and soon to be another. Uh, you know, like Matthew is off in the military right now, and he, he's kind of here and he's kind of not. I think he's actually a voting roster member. Right. Um, and then Sarah is, is, is uh, she's off at camps now, and as soon as she gets back from camp, she's going to be in, be in Dubuque for the next nine months going to school. I mean, yeah. where, how, how do you account for those kinds of situations with this? Basically, we'd, we'd want to communicate. Um, I would encourage Matthew, have encouraged Matthew to find a local body where he's at. Until Matthew finds a local body, I would assume we're still responsible for him. I wouldn't want to just drop the baton. I'd want to pass it. Um, 
and I'd want to say, okay, look, we're going to do as much of a job as we can caring for you long distance and, and providing that oversight as much as we can. It would be most natural and best for you to find a body to be attached with, to find another church. And if you tell me, hey, I'm part of this church, um, I may even... One of, the, one of the patterns we see in Scripture, this is actually biblical, it's at least four direct examples and four or five others by implication, letters of reference of, of people, the baton being passed very clearly. You think of Ephesians where he commends Epaphroditus that they receive him. Paul's basically saying, hey, you may not know him, I do. Receive him as a brother. Um, that used to be something churches used to do back in the day of when you'd transfer membership with the church you were coming from would send a letter. So I, I frequently would want to get in touch with the pastor of the new church and just make sure that Matthew was in good hands. And hey, if you need anything, make sure that line of communication is open. If anything comes up, you need any help, let me know. Um, that's what I'd want to do. Now, Matthew may not want, I mean, someone may not want to do that, but that's, that would be my heart for someone like that. Um, that we're going to care for them as best we can. We may have somebody go to jail, and we're going to care for them as best we can. I mean, there will be people that are, we're going to have to, you know, invalids or people who can't get out of their homes, we're going to care for. But until the baton gets clearly passed, we're not just going to say, oh, out of sight, out of mind. Again, that's back to the responsibility. We have a responsibility. We're to give an account. Until I know somebody else is shepherding Matthew, I'm not going to feel like I can just say to the Lord, well, he moved, you know, um, you don't want to add to that? You got your Bible open, Daniel. It's... I was just checking to make sure what you said was true. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you little Berean, you. It, the, the formal way we handle that is if, if somebody's leaving, like the snowbirds, when they leave for the winter, they'll go on the inactive list. Um, and we, we try to make sure that you know they have a church they're going to and that they're cared for. Um, college students are another one. We haven't had to deal with that as much because most of the people leaving for college haven't yet been on the voting roster because they can't be until they're 18. Um, and so it, looking into the future, we would see that as more something that we would do, helping them find before they, they go off to college, hey, do you know where you're going to be plugged in? Do you know what church you're going to be? Let me give them a call for you. Make sure that their program is you know, legitimate, that they actually know who you are and they're going to look out for you. And that way when they head off, and I'm sure all the moms in this room would love to know when they send their kids off, there's going to be a pastor there who's going to take care of them. So, I I have one, uh, just one more general comment that uh, uh, Jeremy referred to earlier. But you know, in our Articles of Faith and the Constitution, I would encourage you, especially some of us that uh, have maybe been on the voting roster for a long time, go back through and read that because there's some strong language in there of of what how this church was founded, how we view things here. And really, this is uh, all the points you see up behind us, everything we've talked about this morning. It's nothing new. It's, it's all stuff that's already in there. It's just we've kind of uh, put it on the back burner or maybe not been as, as faithful to it as we should have been. And so it's kind of a bringing back. It's not a bunch of new information that, that we're doing here. And, and so I would just encourage you, or even if you're not on the uh, voting roster or even on the membership list yet, get a copy of that and read it. Um, cause it was, it was very well put together. Obviously I wasn't around when that was put together. Um, and, uh, it, it's, it's good. So read through it. We're going to close in prayer and we can even stick around. You can come up, talk to us, but we're over time. Children downstairs, children's church. Let's pray. Lord, um, we just thank you for, 
for your word. We thank you for this time to talk. And Lord, it's my um, prayer and desire that we would grow more and more of one mind and full accord. So I just pray that we'd continue to talk and discuss that that we would be able to, to all say the same amen and believe the same thing and walk together in full step, that we'd be we build the unity of faith and grow in our knowledge of the Son of God and become a more and more mature new man as we um, enter into the fullness of the measure of Christ, uh, as, we, as we are conformed to his image. In Jesus' name, amen.